Welcome back to Athens Happens. I'm Izzy Keller, Managing Editor of The New Political. And I'm Madeline Harden, Editor-in-Chief of The New Political. Athens Happens is a podcast brought to you by The New Political, a student publication dedicated to explaining the nuances of Ohio University, Athens, and state politics. You can find new episodes at thenewpolitical.com or wherever else podcasts can be downloaded. Today, we are discussing the party school culture in relation to sexual violence with TMP opinion writer Jess Horner and Ohio University Associate Director of Prevention and Education, Ann Brandon. Jessica, thanks for being here. Um, Ann, can you tell me a little bit about your position at OU? Sure. Um, As the Associate Director of Prevention and Education, I'm in charge of really what we consider harm reduction in many buckets. So one would be um, prevention of inner intimate partner violence, that would be sexual violence, relationship violence, stalking. I'm also in charge of prevention for alcohol and other drugs, mental health and well-being. And we're kind of just reshaping our office and initiatives right now, too. Very cool. Um, Awesome, Anne. Thank Thank you you. for sharing. Uh, So we're currently in what is called the red zone, which is a period of time from Welcome Week in August to Thanksgiving in November, where most instances of sexual violence takes place. Uh, Jessica covered this with a new opinion piece about navigating the realities of a party school. So Jessica, can you tell me a little bit about your reporting? Yeah, so um, I kind of just wanted to look at the realities of what students incoming and like upperclassmen have to get used to in a party school and across college campuses in general, Um, because it is harder for the like faculty and staff to really have an effect on what happens outside, especially on the weekends. So, yeah. Yeah, you described, um, you know, campus looks a lot different on Friday and Saturday night than it does on a Monday. Um, Can you describe that a little bit for me? I know know you're not the only one who has experience on the weekends, but it it definitely is a a huge shift, Mm -hmm. you know? everyone dresses a little differently yeah. um, people are acting a little differently you know compared to people walking down court street at 9 a.m to 1 a.m it's a much different mm-hmm. yeah i've noticed like walking through the escalators at like 10 o'clock at night on a friday and you see like you know drunk kids going down and like the faculty trying just like roams around them doesn't say anything because mm-hmm. it's just the norm like normality of it i'll ask you this when you first applied to ohio university did you have any like preconceived notions about OU? Well, everyone, everyone that I said like, oh, I might be going to OU, like all of my family members like, oh, the party school. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's not why I'm going, but it didn't really have an effect on my decision to come. But like, I know it's the first thing people know about the school. Right, much. right. I think we've all kind of had to deal with that um, reputation. Yeah. You know, I, I, <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah, like 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> when people said this, people said that 30 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's you know, do you think that it's gotten a little bit better from? Yeah, from what I've heard, it's gotten a lot more tame, not as bad as it used to be. For sure. Yeah, I think COVID definitely had something to do with that. A lot of, mm-hmm. I mean, it killed numbers fast for one thing. That's true. Um, but do you think you, like, so you've been through, like, the EverFi trainings. Um, all of these things are kind of fresh in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you compare that to, like, the experiences you've had on campus so far? Um, I think in the trainings that they give us, they mostly tell us things that we already know. And from the ones that I've been through, they're um, like during orientation and it's one of the last things they tell us. So most people are like trying to get out and like get it over with. Um, 
but yeah, they mostly tell us things that we're already aware of and it doesn't really change anything from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. And what do you think needs to happen to change or at least to better navigate Mm -hmm. the party Um, school culture? Well, this isn't really possible, I don't think, but um, I think people need to like outright see what can happen and the effects that it can have because like we've all seen, I mean, we've all heard about like, oh, like, this ha- can't happen, and this can't happen. And we're like, yeah, yeah, like, whatever. But, like, when someone on my floor, like, has, like, an incident happen or gets roofied or something, it's like, oh, this is real. This is, like, having the people around me. And it just hits harder. Yeah, I think that that's always, like, the worst reality to have to face, that it's, like, you don't really either realize the severity of it or really care about it enough until it happens to either you or someone you love. Mm -hmm. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Or or even just somebody that you live with. Like when you're living in the dorms, when you're a new freshman and you're living in the dorms and like I remember a kid got roofied and was like, looked like he was seizing on the floor within the first like month of school. Mm -hmm. And you know, that left an impact on me. So I think it's just like seeing this and understanding like this is where I am and this is what can happen if I'm not super careful so and mm. i just want to talk about that like we all w- just the conversation of we have to be super careful just think about that yeah mm. you're absolutely right that's not going to stop us from being harmed being super careful did not stop people from being harmed mm. these aren't decisions that they made like i want to go out the worst thing that should happen is a hangover to anyone <laughs> like yeah. having fun like this is college you're supposed to experience i'm not saying to go out and get drunk and have a hangover i'm just saying like there's nothing that someone can do or say. We get confused. Yeah. That there's something we could actually do or say to stop ourselves from being harmed. And I'm not talking about gender and just femme folk. I'm talking about the fact that there is a culture across the United States in our communities that allows sexual and intimate partner violence to occur. Yeah, there's like, right. Right, but in general. So yeah. we talk about the red zone, we talk about this, but these things are happening in our communities too. They happen across campus. This is the highest rate, like 18 to 24 is the highest rate where, where folks are going to get harmed like for sexual violence. But we think about this, like 20 to 25% of students will be directly affected. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so you, I know someone, but that's a pretty large like mm-hmm. number. And we don't talk about that. We wait till f- the five minutes in orientation. Yeah. We know that EverFi is compliance. You know, like it's it's a way to introduce information as well, but it's compliance because we do need to let people know. But like just the thought that we're only connected or we only want to talk about it when like maybe it happens to somebody we know or like I know you I know we care about it. We intrinsically as humans, we all care about it, but we haven't cared about it to actually stop it from happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Or do people have the tools? Right. But we cannot say that one person is going to be able to stop themselves from harm mm-hmm. when the culture itself accepts the harm. Yeah, um, with the training that, like, we are given in, yeah. like, BSO, um, it's mostly targeted, like, at potential victims. Like, it's saying how to help yourself from getting in that position. But right. for the most part, like, most students are being careful. Like, they're doing everything they can, but you can't directly, like, talk to a perpetrator and say, don't do this, because that's not going to get you anywhere. Right. So how we address those who do the harm is really important, too. Mm -hmm. Right. And yes. But kind of going off what you were saying, Jess, you looked at a specific popular drinking spot on campus. Um, And, you know, it's it's known that harm goes on there. 
it's it's been somewhat addressed publicly, but like we've seen no real consequences. So I guess what I'm trying to get at here is like, and this can go towards both of you, why? You know, is it just because freshmen need somewhere to get drunk or is the culture really so much so that I'm going to prioritize the fun culture vibe over the, over safety? Do you mean like as why students still go or why like there hasn't been like actual consequences? I guess both. Um, I think I, I'd, say, I'd say more so students though. Okay, I think more students just end up there either because I've heard like upperclassmen like saying, oh yeah, no, that doesn't actually happen there. Like you can go. And I mean, who are they going to believe except older people? And like, especially when you're a freshman and underclassman in general, like you want to go somewhere that like you can get a drink and you think like, oh, why not? Like I'll stop in here. Right, right. If you think about perpetrator behavior, mm-hmm. and I, I want to be really clear because sometimes when we say perpetrator behavior, we're automatically saying that this is men or male identified. And the majority of folks who harm are men. And I'm not talking about the majority of men. So please make sure that the person listening to this understands only a small percentage of folks harm other people. They just happen to do it over and over again because they're that is like the statistics. So so if you are male identified and you're listening to this, please get past this first statement. We have all kinds, all identities, all intersectional folks, all non-binary. There's a lot of people who get harmed, but the majority of folks who are harming, we're actually leaving them out of the conversation, <laughs> right? We're not saying, we're. it's almost like there's an invisible harm that's happening to folks on campus. Right, kind of like what what you said as far as like the accountability that's left that's kind of left out of it, right? And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I was clear on that, but just the reality of engaging the the folks that are doing harm, their behaviors are not going to be turned unless a larger majority of folks stand up and say no. So the accountability isn't going to come through a legal process. Probably mm-hmm. the accountability is not going to come through a disciplinary process. Unless it's clear evidence and investigated that whatever is happening in this thing in this space happens, so but and that is just super frustrating that there's an accountability. But if the majority of folks, those who do not harm, which is the majority of male-identified folk, stepped up and stepped in, mm-hmm. we know that we could end this tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. No, I I think, yeah, no, no, definitely. I think there's also, and I think you touch on this too, Mm. Jessica, in your story about like, people don't know how to be a good bystander. Mm. And I know know Anne's just itching her chair to start talking about better bystanders. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that that is what it comes down to. Like Mm. people are too scared to say something. So, and I'll, I'll let you go no, off about, want, or yeah, go ahead. More like perpetrators, or I guess, yeah. Um, like you, if you're one of your friends or someone you know is in doing something like that, like you didn't, you don't really expect them to, but if you hear about it, you're like, oh, like I'm sure it's not like as bad what? as it seems or like, oh, like they're my friend and it just gets more normalized and more normalized yes. until like maybe they are like, oh, maybe I'll try this too that's your way of putting it but yeah and it just spreads out more and definitely in, in certain social groups there is like a social oh, pressure yeah. mm-hmm. to 
comply and accept and even take part in like very harmful unacceptable behaviors especially if they know like their friends aren't going to say anything about it right right if they're not called in Mm -hmm. um i want to add to that some internalized misogyny Mm -hmm. right so the and i'm gonna get you guys are gonna get hate comments but we take sides when we hear harm has happened and i want you to like that is the most harmful thing for a survivor is not to be believed Mm-hmm. And so there's two points to what you're saying. One, the behavior becomes normalized and, set and acceptable in certain groups. So what you said is very true. Like after an incident, oh, no, this person who's kind and charming couldn't possibly have done that. Yeah. Because we can't think of our friends as potential mm-hmm. rapists, right? Like that, no. no. Our friends would never do that. But then this whole she said she said or they said or that you know like i don't want to go the number like really the reality is is that it is more harmful for that friend or or the or or girls to and men to not just be like i wasn't there and so i'm not going to add and pile on Mm -hmm. to a survivor that the first reaction that a survivor or someone says is if we don't believe him it's almost as harmful as the actual assault itself yeah. And so we really need to do a better job of not jumping in on things. Well, I probably I couldn't mm-hmm. have done that, you know. Um, and I'm sure that people are like, and we shouldn't jump on someone who's been, when I say jump on, like, you know, we have got to be neutral. But the reality is, is that, that, there, that the accountability is generally not there. Mm-hmm. And so it is important if somebody says, I was harmed, that we just hold space and check in with them, too. Right. What do you guys think need to happen to be able to navigate a party school or, in OU's case, we'll say a reformed party school? Jess, I'll, I'll give Jess, this one yeah. to you first. Um, you've, you've got you got a semester under your belt. Um, I, I, th- I know you're, you're she's like in a, you're in like a really interesting position because yeah, you are yeah. a first semester freshman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you don't speak for everyone. No, no, yeah. of course. Jess speaks for Jess. So you're every single freshman in the room yes, right now. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> in this room. Yeah, um, I'm sure my experiences are very different from, like, other freshmen. But, um, I mean, already, like, what I do on the weekends is, like, pretty, like, routine now. Like, I basically have the same amount of fun and, like, do the same things. But, like, I notice different things each time. Like, oh, there was, like, a really weird scene I was like dancing next to and I was like that was weird this time and then like I've been noticing it more and more like the more places I go um what was the question <laughs> what do you think needs to happen so we can better navigate this party school or reformed party school um well first of all um okay um I think more safety after being I guess intoxicated um one of the biggest things I've noticed is I've been out with some friends and like we're very strong on the fact of like, okay, don't drink something that you're just seeing lying around. Don't drink something like that, you know, you just pick up. Mm-hmm. And then like I see people going by and like, oh, they're like already kind of drunk. Like it, that goes out the window. And it's like, oh, this is a free drink. It's full. Like it's mine now. And like, I think a lot of times we go in stronger minded than we come out. But that makes me sense. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you mentioned it in your story that like we almost – like get too complacent or we get too comfortable Mm -hmm. especially in athens athens is a relatively safe city that we feel more 
comfortable. I mean, we, we are literally in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Athens yeah, is yeah. a bubble. Um, so we get, we think it's okay to be, I can walk home by myself. Nothing's going to mm-hmm. happen. You know, we just, we just get too comfortable that we're not always being aware of our surroundings. And that's just not, not just for our safety, but also for the safety of the people that we're with. Um, which I guess then goes back into, you know, shouldn't be all vic- victim focused, but it is good. It's good to just be aware of your surroundings mm. as it is. I like, if I'm going out with my friends, like if one of them wants to walk home alone, I'm like, no, that's not happening. Like I'm mm-hmm. walking home with you. But if I'm the one like leading my group of friends, I'm like, no, like I know me, like I can walk home, but yeah. it's different because I'm, you know, me mm-hmm. and I have obviously have more confidence in myself than I do anybody else. Yeah. That's called risk reduction. Mm-hmm. And- and understandable be like i should have a plan i should have a let's have a plan before we go out and it may fall by the wayside we don't want it to fall by the wayside but we like you know at the end everybody gets back together and we're going home together and mm-hmm. like right we're having conversations so setting up a plan for safety is not a bad thing but risk reduction does not actually decrease um, numbers of people who are affected by sexual violence so, so yeah, there's an awareness, and I and I understand what y'all are saying. That's basically like, hey, let's have a rape nail polish. No. We have to focus on the prime or the root causes of this. We have to invest in primary prevention, and here's the good thing. They're doing that here. They're doing it here. We cannot continue to stay at this individual level, I need to, which is important. I don't want to discount taking care of yourself, being aware of your surroundings. No, we have to do that innately as femme folk or, you know, other identities as well. <coughs> because we have to. Like, did you learn to carry your keys a certain way, right? So you could stab someone, right? So I'm like, we have to learn these things. I'm not saying to drop all that by the wayside. But if we stay at that individual level, we are never going to make a mm-hmm. dent in harm in the campus. We're just going to continue to send people to survivor advocacy programs or Title IX or report or nothing, or they drop out. Primary prevention, which is addressing the root causes of why someone harms, not why someone is harmed. Mm -hmm. That's where we're moving. That's where what we should be talking about. Can you tell us a little bit more about like the university, like what you're working on with prevention? Sure. So um, the Office of Health Promotion um, throughout COVID was led by three GAs and um, some peer educators, which they very much, and um, well-being and recreation. So uh, I'm just saying like during COVID, it, it was sh- it was pretty short-staffed. And so they made a commitment to rebuild the office in 2020-ish, 2021 was when I was hired. Um, and the Office of Health Promotion, again, prevention and education. Think about like well-being and education. So hiring me, um, and then we're hiring two assistant directors, and then we're going to be hiring a whole new peer health educators to create a peer health network. Because here's the thing. I think I'm cool, but I'm not that cool to go out and talk to students. They're going to be like, what is this lady? And who is she? Right? So we need people that have, like, social equity, like social justice and equity, but also, like, an understanding of, like, I didn't know about the Blue House. I've only been here for a year. Like, I don't know these things. So investing in that, we're paying the peer health educators. They're putting money towards this. And then also we have, um, are building less one-time, one-hour awareness that does not actually measurably change behavior. And um, building in our strategy is more comprehensive, like multi-layered programming. Now, with all that jargon, something like Green Dot. 
something like they've invested in Green Dot. Green Dot is a primary prevention for for like competency for bystander intervention and how to stand, like how to do something without losing that social capital that you're talking about, how to do something and remove those barriers. It is a expensive, comprehensive, national evidence-based program. Um, and it's really exciting that they've brought it here. I don't want to denounce the work that has been, that led up to this space because they had to build blocks. But normally you have a survivor advocacy program or you have a women's center or you have a response that has like part-time prevention folks. And you cannot do primary prevention. You cannot address the root causes of something by just having a part-time prevention person for the whole campus. So just the investing of positions and the peer health educator network and a curriculum that has fidelity and it actually measurably reduces harm on campus. So that's the nutshell. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting to see yeah. happen. I guess not to put like a like a time constraint on it, but it's no. like, so when do you think the, the school will be fixed? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know? So here's the good thing. No, you're right. This is a great question. So school being fixed is kind of hard, hard, but what indicators, what can tell us that hard work is is impactful? So I was part of the original Green Dot research, um, which was, um, it was started at the University of Kentucky, and it's now run by Altruistic, um, which is a really cool nonprofit in Washington, D.C. And here's the thing is we've never, and the, the, like, violence on campuses has been happening since the dawn of time, right? Like, so campuses were built for white men who own property, really. I mean, like, I mean, white men. Literally. Let's, let's, right. So the folks that are most harmed are people who the, where higher education wasn't actually built for. So we're talking about systemic oppression for all types of entities for a really long time. And rape has happened since the dawn of man. Let's talk, like, so Anne's like, okay, let's go back to the origins of the world, Anne. No, we don't need to roll back that far. (laughs) But that the idea that we really, like, in this research, we've never, ever measurably reduced harm. Sexual violence, dating violence, bullying has never actually measurably been reduced in a research project before this. And so that's why like Anne's off her chair about Green Dot and bystander intervention is because I got to be part of that research. And we're talking about like 28,000 students and like 20, I think like 26 schools in Kentucky and high schools, 13 control schools, 13 implementation schools. And we implemented Green Dot for five years in those schools. And it happened in the third or fourth year that we actually measurably saw 50% reduction in sexual violence, intimate partner violence, or dating violence, um, and bullying. And so there's an idea that we can never reduce violence. And if we don't have hope, if we think that the only way we can do that is to protect our drinks and to walk home together, like we'll never do it. And so like my enthusiasm is because I've seen it happen (laughs) right i've been a part of it so i'm saying probably by year three or four now here's another thing is you have to have climate surveys that measure it you have to have data that actually says like i could be like oh we're doing great but no we have to have actual like an evaluation and so the key indicators you have to have a baseline if if students don't fill out climate surveys i know it's a pain 
But we don't, we can't get an accurate measurement if we only have a small sample of who's being harmed. And so filling those out would be like, give us a baseline and then we can measure, you know, like a reduction in violence, um, a change in culture, a change of behavior, more people, more the numbers of people who feel safe and confident bystanding, like doing something when they see something that's weird on the dance floor, like you have tools to like stop it. Mm -hmm. That was a long answer, but. It definitely answered my question. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, that's a really, you know, it's it's telling, you know, people this is what we're doing to help protect you and to help prevent something. Well, you know, to help people who are I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. But like, you know, the school's doing something basically yeah. summarizes. Harm it. impacts everyone. Yeah. Impacts everyone. If we think, oh, it just impacts a certain identity or a certain gender, we're really wrong. It impacts everyone. We have less engagement. We have more depression. We have more anxiety. We have more people dropping out. We, a small percentage of people actually report being harmed. You know, um, they just leave, <laughs> right? So it, it impacts more than just the bottom line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I see what you mean that it's like, you, you know, we're trying, we have these things implemented, but it also, I think, the student community also has to be receptive to it. You know, students have to, you know, get involved in these trainings. They have to volunteer for these trainings. They have to um, participate in trainings fully yeah. and, like, enthusiastically. Like, other, otherwise, yeah. it's just money wasted. Yeah, and here's the thing. If I give you a little, like, overview, mm-hmm. basically – this program, I've been doing prevention for 20 years and I've never experienced, like I've kind of experienced the whole like, here's the stats for rape and I'm, I'm rolling out education that was just be like considered awareness. Like one in four people will be harmed. You know, here's how you stop yourself from being harmed. And when you're harmed, you can go here. And that doesn't actually stop people from being harmed. But what Green Dot does is it gets people really excited about it that aren't normally in the choir. I don't have to be a feminist to be involved, right? Here's the example. Our campus, we know that 20 to 25% of folks will be harmed on this campus, students. And staff are harmed by domestic violence, dating violence, stalking as well, and sexual violence. Not in the way, but they're still can be harmed and are. Those acts of harm are red dots. And so if we had a map of our campus, we know that if 20 to 25% of folks are being harmed, then a little red dot appears. And that red dot signifies someone who's done something, stalked someone, assaulted someone, like racist comments, microaggressions, all of these things are red dots. And green dots are things that we can do to stop that red dot from ever appearing on the map. Um, so again, very simple, more green dots, less red dots, reduction of harm. And it's not that simple, right? But people get really excited because we're not saying don't be a perpetrator because it's more inviting. Like I don't come in, you know, right. And say, don't be a perpetrator. And most awareness doesn't, don't do that. But like we automatically assume that male identified folk in the room are going to be like recognized or targeted as potential perpetrators. Mm -hmm. This is just a focus on the bystander. 
no matter if somebody drank, no matter if somebody did this, no matter if somebody that, no one deserves to be harmed. And here's what we can do to keep each other safe. So the, so the idea of Green Dot is exciting to folk. Like we trained the whole hockey team and they were aesthetic and they have like pictures of their t-shirts. They wanted to have a Green Dot game. We're having a Green Dot week. Like they're like, let's paint the wall, you know, Green Dots, the week of our Green Dot game. And it excites people. It says, now I have a tangible skill that I know that I could do and I won't lose social status. So we do have trainings. We do have engagement. We also do need to do the awareness. We do need to do like just general conversations. Like, but this gets people excited that like I've never seen before. I definitely think um, like with groups of people who you think might be less enthusiastic about it, Mm -hmm. it's like really important to do it on a smaller scale. Yes. We cannot do... Sorry, did I? No. Yeah. So you're so right. And that actually is evidence-based. So if we're talking about like what works and what doesn't work, and I can get all researching my head, but, but, but the reality is, is that best practices say a whole auditorium for, of people for one hour when there's not like interaction, discussion, activities is, not, is going to be less effective. So these smaller groups um, of folk is what is more impactful. It's activity based. It's fun. Like we have a yeah. contest. We give out shirts. Like, um, it, it it people want to be involved. I think that's definitely like I, I would say the most important part. Yeah, you're not going to be able to change a no. community or a culture if nobody no. is right. This isn't my issue. Interested in it? No. Yeah, not my issue. I guess this also. I mean, this is not to be it, mm-hmm. but I always think about like, not all men, but it always yeah. just seems to be one. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But one, it is. It is. Right. So, so here's the statistics. It says that 90% of men do not harm. Yeah. 90. So you're talking about a small percent percentage of people. And then I also want to talk about like there's queer relationships or lesbian relationships where when we talk about perpetration. When we go to not all men, that brings it down into this gender fight. And we're, 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 we're not really including everyone when we say men, perpetrators, women victims, right? So we're missing out on a lot of important um, priority identities, one, two. So we can't, we shouldn't just bring this down to a binary. But the research is, it's not as if like women can't be perpetrators or, you know, um, non-binary can't, but the reality is, is they're most likely to be victims, not perpetrators trans men aren't out hurting people Mm -hmm. they're more likely to be victims but here's the thing is like we can have these conversations how important is it to have this conversation rather than inviting people in to be an ally right so so the approach is yeah not all men valid let's talk about like how we can move to the next step to be proactive Mm -hmm. and here are some tools that could right because when you start getting down to that you t- people turn away from it. It's like saying, like, when you use the term white privilege to white people who don't understand what white privilege is, then you're battling the concept of white privilege yeah. rather than, like, let's get down and dirty and do the work. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's kind of the same thing. And if you, we really want to talk about it, these isms, misogyny or, or, or sexism and, like, like the, they're all very much connected. Like, the, if we get down to the root of it, they're actually very much connected. I yeah. can't end sexual violence and dating violence if I don't also, like, have an intersectional approach and talk about microaggressions yeah. and racism and other isms, right? Like, not othering, not other isms. I meant, like, othering. 
So we very much want to incorporate a, a centering anti-oppression more than just centering sexual violence. Yeah. So yes, you're right. And yes, statistics will say, here's the majority of, but men are hurt by other men. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think I more so bring that yeah. up because it's you're right. like, I think it's more so encouraging yeah. to hear that like, you know what? The hockey team was super into, super into this training. I was like almost surprised. Do you know, do you yeah. know what I mean? I was like, I, I guess I wouldn't expect that. That's probably my own no, no, internal no, no, no. biases, but, but it was like good to hear, but I was like, wasn't expecting it. We as a field have done a terrible job in one, getting male identified folk the resources they need because our places are called like the like in nonprofit. I came from nonprofit. I don't I don't necessarily come from a collegiate background. I worked for a former a place called the Women's Crisis Center. Where do you think boys are going to go if they are sexually abused? Or do you mm-hmm. think where do you think men are going to go if they've been assaulted by other men? Do you think they're going to go to the Women's Crisis Center? And the great thing is they're now called the Ion Center and it's fantastic. It's in Northern Kentucky. Y'all need to check out their stuff. It's so good. We've done a terrible job. So I would say Yes, to what you're saying. It, but we have done a terrible job in our field inviting men because we need them to put pink hats on. We need them to be all in. I just like, or like we haven't provided resources. We haven't given them a space to be in the movement. Mm-hmm. And so we've done a terrible job <coughs> in the movement. So it is surprising that, oh, they would be, like we haven't done anything that would want folk to be in there, right. <laughs> you know, historically, right. you know, right. male identified folk. And um, I think that, oh, sorry, no, go ahead, no. Jess. Um, and I think that a lot of men and a lot of people want to be oh, helpful yeah. to other people, oh, yeah. but maybe, you know, they just don't know how. Yes. And, you know, maybe it, the whole like distract, you know, yeah. intervene, that type of thing doesn't work for people because some people are just truly dangerous and it yeah. makes them nervous. So I think that's kind yeah. of why, you know, maybe the men's hockey team was so excited or, you know, that Green Dot gets such a good reputation is because it approaches things in a way that people it's more receptive appro- to. It's yeah, their defenses are down. Yes. Like their their defenses are down. Within the first five minutes, I've never said sexual violence, perpetration, awareness, statistics. I, It's the approach. It, like when you go into something, you, the first thing you hear is, Hi, I'm Anne. I'm from the Women's Crisis Center. The Women's Crisis Center helps victims of sexual assault, blah, 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 blah. And I would go on a Dedicated spiel. detectives of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Investigate rage. these vicious yeah, felonies. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, in order so, SVU. Like, like, no, right? Yes. yes. Right? So, like, that was typical. And immediately, any participant, like, this is what the, the, the field has done for, like, 30 years. And we realized, like, we're not stopping anything coming in. Now, there's some awareness that's important. And so my, I was really excited because I worked at the Women's Crisis Center when Green Dot came about. Um, and so we have to change the way that we do the work. And it's, a, it's incumbent upon us, not just the participants, but like when they realize, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be seen as a perpetrator in this space. Okay. So the defenses are down. I'm talking about my dog. I'm talking about my dog when I start. I'm not talking about, I'm at Ambrane and I work at the Office of Health Promotion. We work on sexual violence. That comes at the end. Mm-hmm. We give them resources, right? So our approach is different. Green, like, that's important. For sure. Jess, how would you compare that to, like, your experiences with any, like, 
trainings ever by I think you guys have to go to like what is it called choices for I don't your, know what it's called um, no it's, it's not it's, choices it's like it used to be called choices first, it, it, it's like first year experience content yeah. and mm-hmm. there's like multiple yeah and yeah. I go ahead say um what what bleh. mainly what I remember from it is like there were a lot of like jokes involved into it and like trying to come about it like in a lighter topic but it's still like the same basics of like on the bottom line of what, like, I've always been told is, like, okay, men assault women. And I think, like, any guy that, like, wants to either reach out and, like, help or reach out and report something, like, he's experienced, like, both of those he's going to be discouraged Mm -hmm. to do when he's the target. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say that, like, either if it's, like, a conversation you guys have, like in your own personal friend group or like have you have you seen that kind of like excitement or like encouragement among your peers like when you do have those sort of like conversations or trainings yeah um most of the times like when I go to something like that I leave with my friends and I'm like that didn't do much (laughs) but like I surround myself with the kind of people that like do care about these things so like it's not like we need these trainings to really understand it but there's a lot of people that could like use some like actual informative training that isn't just telling them like what consent is because most of the times they already know and like how to protect yourself because there's people in the room that like are like quote unquote potential perpetrators and like they don't need to know how to protect themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a really good like feedback, right? Because there's always. So one, um, I know that specifically like first year experience have done a really good job. Like, let's tailor this up. Let's have more conversations. Let's have less PowerPoints. Let's, and so, you know, and then you have multiple instructors who are delivering. But mm-hmm. I do know that there is a concerted effort to do like the, the, this differently there. And so this was kind of like the first year that it's kind of like very much, not first year. I know that there's been many changes, but this year specifically in first year experience. Mm-hmm. The messenger matters though. She's going to be in one class and then somebody else is going to experience something in another at front you know instructor who may or may not be right and they've had to take it upon themselves to deliver content that they may not be comfortable delivering to mm-hmm. so i think it would probably also matter who is leading the discussion who is delivering the content who is connected to it or they are just delivering it in this space yeah i'd say because it's mine, not a cons- it kind of seemed like it was just like i was told to deliver this yeah. Yeah. Not, it didn't seem like since like they sincerely cared about you. Well, they probably did. Yeah. But it was like more of like giving a report and like, like they like brought students down and like, I remember he um, like went through a girl's phone and was like, okay, tell me like, can I go through this? Tell, can I go through this? And that was like a consent talk. Mm-hmm. But most people like were just like laughing about it because she was like, oh no, don't go through my camera roll. And it was. That, that was like, for straight. orientation? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's not first year experience. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, that was an orientation conversation, the phone thing, or was yeah. that in first year, in your course? I don't think I remember the first year course. Okay. But that was like when they had us in the lecture hall. Okay, yeah, um, the orientation. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to like my experiences. And we were online, Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were the COVID kids. Think, I don't know. I, do you think there's enough like excitement about it? Like, do you think maybe... How do you think it would have been different if people were, like, actually enthusiastic? Mm -hmm. Like, invested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, 
I mean, we're constantly told the same things over and over mm-hmm. again. And like, even if they are important, like, I get bored of hearing the same stuff, even if right. it does matter. And I'm like, okay, here's a consent talk. I already know right. about consent. And like, um, I'm like just going about it <laughs> different ways of like, aside from just saying the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but it's like, we're, we're all adults here. Like, I think we can have like a nuanced conversation about mm-hmm. it. That's more than just don't rape. Yeah. Like, I think there's, there's more we could be discussing rather than just like, here's how not to rape. Here's, here's what you do when it happens. Yeah. That's like mostly what it, it needs to, it needs to go beyond right, that. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's layers. And so I think they're like, Oh, if we continue to layer, cause like, you're going to maybe do a first, I don't think it's called first year experience. I'm not even sure what it's called. And I'm sorry about that. There is a, like, <laughs> if you are not, if you're a new freshman and you don't have not like figured out what your major is, there's a course that you take. I, I remember we took yeah. it. It was for um, our learning community. Yes. Learning community. That's what ours was is through. That, is that what you've done? Um, like, I don't know. Okay, my learning community, I like I've heard my, my like roommates say like, "Oh, we had the sexual violence talk today and like the like you shouldn't like be careful when you're drinking." I we don't really do those in mine. I don't know why. Really? This is off. But um No, you're good. <laughs> no, it's okay. My learning community leader, she has anxiety and she talks a lot about anxiety and that all of us probably have anxiety. So she says like she's mo- mostly just sends us links to things cuz she doesn't want to make any of us uncomfortable in class. That's interesting. And cool. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing is like, uh, I don't want to just say this, but I'm just like generalizing. If somebody's had an experience with sexual violence or intimate per- per- partner violence mm-hmm. and they have to deliver content about it and they haven't or like that, I could definitely say we're like, we may not have conversations. So, so, so are, are you talking about general well-being and mental health or are you talking, or are you talking about specific to intimate partner violence or alcohol and other drugs and other things? any content you're just sent links just in um, general or you're like i'm not kind supposed of, i'm specific. the reporter here kind of because <laughs> you have you do yeah. have a professor that yeah. goes with that and we you... talk about um like figuring out the biggest thing we talk about which is okay yeah um every class period that we do talk about like some touchy subject it's talked about like don't get yourself o- overwhelmed and overworked and we kind of just tie that in. Like if we do touch on like sexual violence or like mm-hmm. being careful when you're going out, it's kind of tied back into that main point. If you mm-hmm. need to go like take care of yourself or if you're having anxiety about something, is mm-hmm. it more like sensitive content talk? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. You're like, I'm the reporter here, Anne. And I was yeah. like, but yeah. So it's just interesting because in, in orientation, which is a five minute conversation, there's a layer, like that's your very first like, layer and mm-hmm. then the everify is another layer and then you're saying you hear it like four or five times and then i just read a report um from it's on us which is basically exactly saying what you're saying the student feedback was absolutely exact to what you're saying i get it our approaches are 30 or 40 years old because we forget like i can go into a class right now and be like tell me what an unhealthy like a sign of an unhealthy relationship students know this so mm-hmm. like they have more baseline knowledge than we would have 10, 
20, 30 years ago, but we're still delivering content as if you don't have access to baseline knowledge that we didn't like, we had a good library, <laughs> like I'm mean, old, but like we're still delivering things in that manner mm-hmm. where there, we, there's a misunderstanding that you might already have some baseline. Yeah. And where is also a misunderstanding that if I have a conversation about consent, then that means a perpetrator will not perpetrate mm-hmm. and that doesn't stop. Yeah. Consent is a baseline. It's important. But to hear a consent conversation where you're at five times in a row, are we reducing sexual violence by a five-minute conversation mm-hmm. about consent? No. Um, like how you were talking about Green Dot and like bystander intervention, um, I kind of lost my point, but um, like how you're saying like we know like what I guess to look for and like we know what are unhealthy signs, but we know less about like how to react to them yes. and that we can do something about yes. it. Because like we're like, oh, like, oh, that's happening, but I can't do anything about right. that when there are ways right. that you can make a difference about it. So there's five points, like research wise. Is that okay to go here? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're like, no. <laughs> there's there's four or five main like things about bystander intervention that need to be reviewed. Like if you're just going into a space and someone's saying, here's the three Ds, like we did like kind of like a pre-training last year for your staff. And it's, you will not understand bystander intervention by just getting five minutes of bystander intervention. (laughs) Like you'll never be equipped to go do something or feel equipped. So one, you have to recognize. So you're saying, yeah, I'm going to give information on how to recognize, like when you might need to step in. Mm -hmm. And then we are like, oh, there's the bystander effect. Like those things that are just, they are measured. There's evidence, there's research that says. There's like eight things, eight reasons why probably four or five, but four or five main reasons why someone won't step in. Oh, somebody else is going to do it. Maybe it's not what I think it is. Maybe I'm going to get embarrassed. I have fear. Like I have social impact. Like, so we have to learn those things. These are the realities that I, as a 20 year bystander expert, still have barriers. They don't go away, but it's really like, and then getting around those barriers, like the direct, the distract, the delegate. And we can talk about those, but like, here's how you get around those barriers. Like here are some tools to get around it. And then let's practice of like what you'd actually say. We're normalizing that it's hard to step in though. Mm-hmm. Cause like you remember like Nancy Reagan, I mean like in journalism or like in marketing, the just say no, right? It worked really well. It did not. I'm being sarcastic, I'm being sarcastic. I know, I know, I know, I with you. I'm not saying doing drugs is good. I'm just saying like, you ha- we have to go beyond just be a good bystander mm-hmm. and care about your fellow person. And that's kind of like where, when we talk about bystander intervention, this goes deeper. It creates a competence. It creates a competence and it gives people solutions to get around those barriers. We can't just do five minutes of 3Ds and be like, go be a bystander. <laughs> Throw in Nancy Reagan. You know it's a good podcast when you just toss in Nancy Reagan. I don't think we've had Nancy Reagan on the pod now. And I mean, like, I mean, not like, literally, like, not right, like, like she's, she's dead, dead, not her spirit. <laughs> right. But like, you know, like, you know Nancy... she was into spiritualism. I knew that. She, she had an astrologer and like a. Maybe she's here with us she's saying, sitting. I know that didn't work. <laughs> she's here on our side right now she's like i tried i'm well, sure we can all agree that nancy reagan's known for a, ma- a number of things yes um and her along, husband's known for terrible drug policy that too and organization but, of norm right okay in closing right um <laughs> any other thoughts that you guys would like to add to the conversation i talked a lot so. anything 
Well, the best part I, of your day. <laughs> I do have one. Yeah. This can't be done by just students either. Mm-hmm. A public health approach, a social ecological approach, and I'm throwing out these terms, but basically it means that it we can do all the training we want with students. If staff aren't bought in, if faculty are not bought in, if the surrounding community, bars and restaurants, are not bought in to the safety of our community, it'll never work either. This, an, a full approach of getting everybody connected to the issue is part of that too. Um, we actually have a really cool, like something coming up to do Safe Bar Network, like where we can go and talk to bars and restaurants and offer them payment to train their staff. Because one of the things that like bars and restaurants have is like, how are we gonna get our staff trained? We have to pay for their time. Like we're not, we may not have time. Like there's lots of barriers there. If we do not include everyone in this, not just students, I can train, we can train Green Dot students all day long, but it has to be supported. All those other mechanisms, social marketing, social media campaigning, student staff administration have to be bought into. And that's actually part of our implementation plan as well. So. I don't want to just lay it on students. It is their responsibility to do stop this harm. Right, right. Well, is there anything else to add? I don't have anything else. Thank you both. Thank you, Ghost and Nancy Reagan. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you guys both. Thank you. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, thank you both so much. Um, I think we had a really good conversation, and um, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, can't wait for more. Thanks for coming. And that's a wrap for this episode of Athens Happens. Make sure to check out thenewpolitical.com for more podcast episodes and other content. Thank you, and until next time. Good night, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs>